you brought your Bibles, please turn back to Romans chapter 1. We looked at this passage uh, last week. We want to continue. Started a sermon series. It was going to be one sermon, and I just didn't have enough time to get it in one. So it's turned out to be four. So uh, we looked at sermon one last week. We want to look at series part two this week. Can a person be saved without Christ? Romans chapter one, and we'll look at verse 16 through 22. I began this series last week. I mentioned to address this question, can, is, is God a just God? If, is he a um, fair God, a righteous God? If he lets a person die and go to hell who has never once heard the name of Jesus. Another way to put this is can those who have never heard of Jesus go to heaven any other way? Those are questions I've been asked from time to time. But first of all, we need to say that God is just and God is righteous. He's fair. He's holy. And there's no other way to go to heaven. There's no other way to go to God apart from Jesus Christ. Jesus said it this way in John 14, 6. He said, I am the way, the truth, the life. And no man come to the Father but by me. So we realized last week there's no other way to God, John 14, 6. There's no other name under heaven whereby one can be saved, Acts 4, verse 12. There's no other foundation that's been laid that is laid, and that's Jesus Christ, 1 Corinthians 3, 3. And there's no other mediator between God and man than Jesus Christ, 1 Timothy 2, verse 5. So Jesus is the only way to God. He's the only way to heaven, and there's no other way. There's no part B. So it's just Jesus. Therefore, everyone must know about God, about Jesus, in order to go to heaven. And so we looked at Revelation last week. We looked at Revelation chapter 1. Let's look at that same passage, verse 16 and following. Chapter 1, verse 16 and following. Last week, we talked about first the, revel the revelation factor. Uh, Romans chapter 1, verse 16. For I'm not ashamed, Paul is speaking of the gospel of Christ, for it, the gospel, is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, also to the Greek. For therein, in the gospel, is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. It goes from faith to faith. That's very important. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth and unrighteousness. Notice they hold the truth and unrighteousness because they which may be known of God, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. For God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are already made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. 
Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Last week we looked at the revelation factor. God has made himself known. He's revealed himself. There's two witnesses to all of mankind that there is God. There is a God. And one is the witness of creation. Just look around. Outside at night perhaps is the best place and best time and look up. God's made himself known through creation. Those things made known unto man, made known unto man. I was looking at some notes this morning early. and Did you know that the, United, the U.S. Natural Museum has determined that there are at least 10 million species of insects? 10 million, including twi- uh, 25 varieties of ants. We only have two at the house, black ants and red ants. But there's 2,500 species with 20, uh, uh, 10 million species, 2,500 varieties of ants. Five billion birds in the United States. Somehow the ability to fly 500 miles nonstop across the Gulf of Mexico. We're told that the marlin, can, the marlin duck can fly 60 miles an hour. Eagles can fly 100 miles an hour. The falcons can fly up to 180 miles an hour. Imagine that. The earth is 25,000 miles in circumference, weighs 6 septrillion, 588 six trillion tons, and hangs unsupported in space. Just imagine us hanging in space that much weight. It spins at a 1,000 miles per hour with absolute precision through space around the sun at a 1,000 miles per minute in an orbit 580 miles long. Think of that. God has made himself known unto them just through creation. He's revealed himself, first of all, by a witness of creation. The atheist may try to remove the words from our national motto, In God We Trust, but uh, he'll never remove the witness of God. The creation of whatever is around us is evidence that there is God. During the French Revolution, one of the revolutionists said to a peasant, he said, we're going to pull down all that reminds you of God. And the peasant responded and said, Sir, then pull down the stars. I like that. So God revealed himself through creation, and God has revealed himself through our conscience. Romans 1 verse 19, Ecclesiastes 3 verse 11 testifies that every person who has ever lived or will ever live has a built-in awareness of God. The atheist is someone who knows that there is a God and he spends his time trying to get rid of this uncomfortable feeling that he has that there is a God. But the more he tries to think there is no God, the more is revealed to him, yes, there is a God. 
And that's an uncomfortable feeling. It has to be to know that there is a God and one day you'll be judged and you stand condemned already. And, and without asking this holy God to forgive you and to save you, you'll go into this place called hell, if not made right with holy God. That would make you uncomfortable. It made me uncomfortable. So the question is, can you go to heaven without God, without Jesus Christ? No, because there's a revelation factor. But then we come to today, and so I want to share with you a sermon that just entitled, Can a Person Be Saved Without Christ? No, because of the refusal factor. Refusal factor. Verses 21 and 22, Romans chapter 1. Because, it says first in verse 20 that they're without excuse, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were they thankful because vain, they became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Underline that. Foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Underscore darkened there. Now, we realized last week that all men everywhere, all mankind, have some light. It's revealed to them through creation. It's revealed to them through their conscience. All men have some light. They know by creation, they know by conscience that God exists. But remember the point today, light refused increases darkness. All men have some light, John 1, verse 8 and 9, but light refused increases darkness. When God gives you light, when he gives you truth through your conscience and through creation, you can't just put it on a shelf and pretend it's not there. You can't just set it aside and think, put it in a pocket and say, well, I'm going to bring this truth out later and look at it. You can't do that. When God gives you light through creation and conscience, if you do not believe God, then that light that you've received begins to regress after a while. You cannot just remain static and say, I'm not going to think about this, do anything about it then suddenly you'll find you'll begin to lose the light that you previously had. Now notice, your foolish heart, he says, will be darkened. Now, let me explain this. In the Bible, the opposite of truth is not error. We would think the opposite of truth is error, but the opposite of truth in the Bible is sin. See, man refuses truth because of sin, not because of error. Um, he refuses truth because of the sin that's in his heart, not error. Because Romans chapter 1, verse, verse 18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Holds the truth. Let me put it this way. Man rejects truth, not because there's error in the truth, but because there's sin in his heart. You reject the truth of God today, not because there's error in that, but because there's sin in your heart. Now notice what he says. He says, those who hold 
the truth. Those who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Verse 18, those who hold the truth. To hold means to, uh, one, resist the truth or smothers the truth or holds back the truth. How do you hold back the truth? Remember, you hold it back not in error, but you hold it back in unrighteousness. Why does a man not believe in God? Well, believing in God means that he'll have to adjust his lifestyle. There's nothing wrong with the truth. There's no error in the truth. But he holds back because of the sin that's in his heart. He rejects it not because of the error, but he rejects it because he holds the truth in unrighteousness. So his lifestyle is unrighteous. So you have an unrighteousness on one side, and on the other side, on one side of a person's life, there's this unrighteousness, and on the other side of his life, there's this creation and conscience that's telling him that there's a God. And he rejects that, not because there's error in it, it's because of this over here. He has to change his lifestyle. So he rejects it. They tell, you know, creation and conscience tell him that there's a God, but his lifestyle says, if I admit that, then I'm going to have to change this. And so he's in a quandary between the two. If he turns from one, he has to turn from the other. He turns from God, he turns to his lifestyle. If he turns from his lifestyle, then he he has to leave his lifestyle and turn to God. Therefore, when he turns to his sin, he gets further and further and further and further away from God until he goes into darkness. I guess um, his foolish heart, the Bible says in verse 21, is darkened. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 is probably one of the most saddest verses you'll find in the Bible. 2 Thessalonians 2, I think it will be on the screen, verse 9. Look at 9 through 12. 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 9. Even him, now he's speaking of the Antichrist. Even him whose coming is after the work of Satan with all power and signs and wonders. And with all the ceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish. Because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusions that they should, be, that they should believe a lie. That they all might be damned who believe not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Now, let's look at that. Man's foolish heart is darkened. 2 Thessalonians 2, 9 through 12, notice, God shall send them, in verse 12, or verse 11, God shall send them strong delusions. Now, why would God send them strong delusions? Notice in that same verse the reason that they should believe a lie. 
Well, why should God send them strong delusions in order that they should believe a lie? Well, look at verse 12. That they might be damned. Well, why should God send strong delusions where they would believe a lie that they'd be damned? Well, verse 12 says, Who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. They had the truth, they had the light, they put it on ice, they put it in their pocket, they couldn't find error in the truth, and so they went farther and farther and farther and farther into darkness, and then suddenly they get so far away because of their unbelief that God sent Delusions where they'd be leave a lie and that they would be damned. They knew the truth, they had the truth, but they turned from the truth. They had pleasure in their stinky, filthy sin more than they wanted to know God and Christ as their Savior. God said, okay, you want your sin? And with the sin comes this baggage, delusion, lie, Damnation. <clears throat> Let's put it a little more in perspective. Let's pretend for a moment that a man comes to church and happened to be here today. And so we receive a love offering for some missionary or some project we have. So he walks in and we ask the ushers to come to receive an offering. And then he says something like this. All they ever talk about there at that church is money. Well, that's a lie. We don't always talk about money. We were taught to be good stewards. We're taught to carry on the ministry and God's work, God's people do the work of ministry and pay for the expense of ministry. We talk about the gospel and we talk about missionaries and serving people and helping people. We don't always... All we talk about is money. But anyway, he goes away and he's all upset. And so this man's problem is not the truth. He heard the truth, read the scripture, expounded on the scripture. He heard the truth. The problem is not the truth, but the problem is his greed. It's not error of the truth, but it's greed. So his problem is between truth and greed. And so he chooses greed over truth. And then he goes home and says, I'm never going back. Now what happens? He's at home and he's sitting there. and His wife and his children, no doubt, perhaps are in church. And he's sitting at home and he's got the TV on. and He's got some of that... Uh, well, embalming fluid over there on the side, and he's having him a good old time. And then somebody knocks on the door, and he goes to the door, and there's two of those false Jehovah's Witnesses there. And they tell him that there's no hell. There's no hell. He listens to them. They tell him a lie. Then after a while, he believes a lie. 
And then he's damned, he's lost on the road to a hell that he says he don't even believe in. Now why is that? Because he received not the love of the truth. He had pleasure in his own unrighteousness. And for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. All people have some light. That's revelation factor. And then the refusal, light refused, increases darkness. So whatever you do, don't put light on ice. Today, you've heard the truth. So the question is this. You have the light. You have enough of the truth, enough of the light to be saved. So you have to decide if you're willing to turn from your sin and turn to the truth. You want to go to heaven? Or you just want to remain in your sin? So that's the decision. But today, you have enough light and truth to be saved. Let's bow our heads for a prayer. <laughs> Heavenly Father, thank you for all you do for us. One way you've blessed us is to give in your word. you've given your word to us. I pray for each person here, those who have never trusted you as Lord and Savior of Jesus Christ. And I pray, Lord, for each person this morning. I pray for those who have never trusted you that with today the light that they have of you. They know that God exists. They know of his son. They know that his son came and died on the cross for their sins. They know they're a sinner. They know that he was buried. They know that he was raised. They know, they know one day he's coming again, and we feel real soon they have the light. They know there's no plan B. It's in Jesus and him alone and nothing else. They know that he can take a life, change a life, forgive a life, and give salvation to a life. They have the light. And I pray today, Father, they won't set it aside, but they'll turn to the light, ask you to forgive them, come into their life and save them. And I pray for the Christian that's here today that's struggling and I pray, Lord, for any Christian, Lord, who needs to come in a recommitment of life to you. Lord, time is short. It's obvious. Things happen today in this world that's never happened before. To some degree, but yet to not to this extent. And so, Father, I pray that, that we'll be able to live for you until you come again. We pray for those who feel like the Holy Spirit's drawing them to unite with this church to serve here. Lord, you've put us here for a purpose for 90, uh, 93 years. We pray we'll continue to be faithful and be in the light to this community and to the world. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.